Hello everyone, welcome back to Just Another F1 Podcast here on the Apex Motorsport. My name is Richard Smith and this is Season 3, Episode 2. And we've just had the Bahrain pre-season test and coming up this weekend is the start of the proper season with the Bahrain Grand Prix. And joining me today, as always, is Ryan Caldwell. Ryan, testing is over, the new season is about to get underway. What is your media thoughts going into the new season? My immediate thoughts are that Williams are going to create an absolute storm. Uh, They're going to take the first race and they're going to win from pole position. And they're going to absolutely blast the season. Max Verstappen is in the mud. Uh, Everyone else is in the mud except Williams. You know, we've got to support the the least favourite team. But they shall reign victorious once again. But in all seriousness, uh, let's just say... Uh, watch out for Aston Martin. That green livery is not just shiny and beautiful for no reason. Okay, bringing the more serious point to this podcast and making his debut is our endurance racing expert, Tom Tosin. Tom, welcome to the podcast. You, you've done a lot of work already uh, for the Apex and the website and YouTube channels, but just how excited are you uh, for the new Formula 1 season to get underway this weekend? Oh, I'm extremely excited. Um... It's, I'm just at that point in the year where I'm just ready for motorsport to start again and I just can't wait, especially with Aston Martin at the moment. I just really want them to come through and just be like a new challenger in Formula 1. So as I said, we had the pre-season test in Bahrain. Three days, eight and a half hours of running each day. It was quite a long watch for anyone who you stuck by for the three days. It was weird having F1 on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday and then nothing on the Sunday, but... With that to look forward to this weekend, um, but a team that both of you have alluded to there, Aston Martin, probably the surprise team off the test. They had a lot of difficulties coming into the test. Lance Stroll, who um, just I think just before we were recording um, last week, uh, they announced that Felipe Djokovic would be his replacement for the test after he injured himself um, while cycling. There's still unconfirmed reports. The, t- the team haven't really said too much, but it appears that he may have broken at least one of his wrists. We, we don't know for sure if that is true, but the team are trying their best to give him every possibility to to be in the car for this weekend, although they have said Felipe Drogovic will be in his place should uh, Stroll not be fit. There was a couple of reports that Vettel might be returning, which... I think we've all loved to see getting his 300th race. And of course, he missed the Bahrain Grand Prix last year. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the team themselves. Aston Martin, the surprise team of testing. Um, Ryan, I'm going to come to you first. There's a, Aston Martin, their team, who back in their racing point days, you know, they were known to sort of copy Mercedes. They had that year where they done really well. Um, Perez getting that race win. And then... All of a sudden, they, they switched to, to Aston Martin and they seemed, their form seemed to dro- drop off a little bit. But this year, they look like they're going to be in the battle for possibly third. Uh, they look to be the clear fourth place team at the moment. Is that something you could see, Ryan? Or do you think that Mercedes, Ferrari, Rebel will still be several steps ahead of Aston Martin? Ultimately, it is possible for Aston Martin to come through. They've been talking about it since... Uh, let's say Lawrence Stroll essentially took over that team from Racing Point to now Aston Martin with obviously the Fondon and yada 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 
and his ambition has been saying multi-year project it was never just we're gonna do it in three seasons we're gonna do it in four seasons it was always multi-year project so we're starting to see maybe the development obviously they've got a new uh, factory set up so you know we don't know what's going on behind closed doors really what certain specific areas are being developed upon and there could be better technology out there that they've gotten first because obviously Lawrence being probably one of the biggest business heads in Formula One at this current moment in time I would say maybe controversially I don't know if we take away what happened in uh, 2020 goodbye Nikita um, but I do feel that JCB big plant big machinery fast machinery Aston Martin bring them together you've got a solid cracking good team and I get a feeling that we're in for something really special this season they copied obviously Mercedes for that racing points era they got told off they brought in a car the next year it was a wee bit eh then they tried to copy Red Bull it went a wee bit downhill but testing looks promising but as we always say can never look judge anything off of testing as we've seen last year uh, we thought Ferrari was going to be the best, but that clearly didn't happen. But as my point stands, Aston Martin are cooking up something real special. Yeah, with, with testing, as you said, we can't really look in, into it too much, but we still have to sort of, you know, we have to use what we've seen in testing and sort of make expectations and predictions because ultimately we've seen a Formula 1 car on track for the past three days over the weekend of testing and with eight and a half hours of rolling that's, that's a lot of time on track and you know, I know teams you know, this term sandbagging a lot of teams have done it in the past Mercedes always seem to do it testing where you thought they were going to have a terrible car then uh, they turn up qualifying and they're two seconds ahead before and the regulation changes but um, Tom I'm going to come to you now um, yeah. just how, how did Aston Martin surprise you? Were you expecting them to have such a good test or is it just completely out of the blue? Um, I don't think it's completely out of the blue because as we've already said, it's kind of like they're, it's, they've got this, they had the multi-year idea where they, they want to be the top team in Formula 1. And to be fair, when we saw them at their media day at um, Silverstone, I thought they just looked so good. The car looked, I think it was strolling the car at the time when I was watching and it just looked so easy for him to drive it just it just looked effortless and in this test it's just um fernando's driven the car brilliantly i think um he had some really good um 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 race um preparation runs um in the test i think and he and can he was consistently near the top of the charts throughout um and yeah especially with the new factory coming along it'll be really interesting to see how they do this season uh, but I'm not sure if they'll be able to keep up this form for maybe the whole time compared to the, like Mercedes who might be behind them because Mercedes are going to have the bigger budget. So I think they'll find it easier maybe to bring in um, certain upgrades as the season goes on. So I think Aston Martin could start off strong, but I'm not sure if they could keep that strength up for the whole season. Yeah, the, the new factory definitely looks very impressive. Um, drove past there whenever I was out at the, the media day as well. Um, I've only seen Alonso in the car, but the the new factory does look impressive, and you know, the benefits of that will probably come 
next season, the year after. But they do look to be in a very strong position. And I don't know why, but having a driver like Fernando Alonso, although they had Sebastian Vettel, who, you know, four-time world champion, was very much you know, a great driver for them. I almost feel like Alonso is just bring will bring more to the team in terms of because uh, he's had more experience with a lot more teams and a lot more cars and and yeah I think, I think you go go ahead. I think I think he's got a little more hunger than Vettel did. I think because obviously Vettel's gone and retired. I don't think maybe we weren't seeing the most um, like hunger filled Vettel for the like last couple of seasons. I think Fernando is well as people have been saying, it's still like he's in his twenties. He's so like focused on becoming like world champion again. And it's really interest and the interesting thing to see is how he's changed teams at the right time for once. Because normally with Fernando he's going he picks to go somewhere and then it's at the complete one time when the team starts to go downhill. So I feel I feel like he's he's just he's so hungry for this title and so focused. I think that's like morale wise that will help the team so much. Yeah, it definitely does seem to be the right time for Fernando Alonso to move. Ryan, do you think that this is a, this will prove to be a good move for um for Alonso because Vettel's retirement caused a massive um you know transfer roundabout where you know. Alonso or Vettel retired. Alonso went to Aston Martin, and then the Piastri went to Alpine, and then they went. Oh, Piastri went. No, I'm going to McLaren because Ricardo was was going to leave. It just created a mess. And do do you think that, you know, given all of that went on, and I don't know, from what we heard last year, Alpine didn't really know that Alonso was gonna jump ship because I think he was at the end of the contract. Do you think that? This is the right time for him, especially his age, because you know, we're in the realms of retirement, but it doesn't feel like Alonso is ready to retire. As we always say, he's the best junior driver there is out there. <laughs> like, come on, guys. He's always at the junior tests, the, you know, the young driver tests. He's he's the best. He's the best young driver out there. Uh, but I think Alonso, uh, in all seriousness, as Tom was saying, he has a bit more fight in him than Vettel. Vettel retired, well, I'm not, not going to say really young, but, you know, Kimi Raikkonen was at the 40s, you know, Alonso, 40s, Vettel, under 40. So, makes no sense. Hamilton's only what? Hamilton's actually older than him, is he not? So, we've got that going as well, I think. Anyway, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not good with numbers. Uh I'm just going to double check for you here then. So, Hamilton is 38. And Vettel... Like 35, 36. Yeah, 35. So, yeah. Hamilton's three years older than, than Vettel. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. You know, Vettel, I think, just didn't like the way the sport was going and the way it was headed. He always said he wanted to achieve bigger and better things. So, he just was sort of happy to take his last few drives out and, you know, say, I've had fun, I've had my time, time to go do something else that's great. Alonso, he's he's hungry. He's It's the, it's the Spaniard in him. Spaniards are very competitive. It's a thing. It's the same with Carlos. They're very competitive. Carlos wants to beat Charles all the time, and Alonso just wants to beat everyone. That's, that's essentially the way it is. But I think Alonso just didn't like the team atmosphere at Alpine 
seen that there was a bit of a mess going on and says, you know what, if if it's good enough for Vettel, it's good enough for me. I'm gonna jump ship and jump on board this multi-year deal. So I think he's sort of happy where he's at. He seems quite impressed with the car himself, which for Alonso that's quite a big compliment to a team. I would say because usually he just says, yeah, it looks it looks good. Whereas he's saying it's great. He feels awesome. He's ready. He's he's got the drive, the hunger. He wants to push for even a race win or podiums and you know there's some real mental warfare going on you know between him and the rest of the teams him going you know we've really got something special here and the rest of the teams are like yeah right and then they come out and test and then they start putting in some decent amount of laps and things are starting to look up for them and Alonso I can't believe he's still still cracking on at his age well I say that not as an old thing but you know, most drivers, once they hit their 40s, are sort of already out of the sport. He's still going, and he's still a really great driver, so can't complain. Yeah, he's, he's definitely been impressive. But speaking of impressive, I think we should uh, mention Filipe Drogovic, who obviously stepped in for Lance Stroll. And you know, Aston Martin have both Drogovic and Stoffel Van Dorn at their disposal as reserve drivers, and... Van Dorn was at was in Cape Town for the Formula E, which meant that it, the responsibility fell to Djokovic. Um, both Djokovic and uh, I forget his name. Uh, uh Van Dorn. Uh, he they both both of which are going to be in Bahrain, and I don't know well or not if you know say Stroll was competing last you know in testing and then fell during the week. And someone had to replace him. Would they have went for Van Dorn then? That's a question I would would like to have put the to Aston Martin. But Djokovic was very impressive. He he's had minimal experience in F one, but he is the Formula Two champion. He's a driver who was never really spoke about as a potential for a seat in F one, and he's had a pretty good rise in the sport. Uh, he's he struggled for a year in in Formula Three. Um, there's various reasons for that. And then he jumped up to Formula 2 and had a very good season, surprised many, and people very early were calling him the next uh, Senna, which is a big claim to have. Um, but he's been impressive. He won the title, and all without the backing of the Formula 1 Academy. I know, I know me and you, Ryan, talked uh, in great detail about Djokovic last week, but I just want to get your thoughts, Tom, very quickly on Felipe Djokovic. Just how impressed were you with him during testing? Uh, I think he's very impressive, considering that's his like first kind of um, stint in a Formula One car. Um, I think I it's good. I think he he yeah he, he had some decent t- times. He wasn't too far off Alonso. Um, it, it I think it would have just been better if it was like maybe if. Well, I don't want to wish an injury on Lance, but it would have been. Like, I think it would have been better if the injury maybe was later in the season because I would have really liked to have seen Djokovic in like a more race weekend setting to see like how he compared to Fernando in like qualifying, and um, and on and in the race because in testing we obviously we don't really see the team's full, like full set of cards, so um, but I think he's done. I think he's done well. And uh, would you have liked to have seen a potential Vettel Alonso pairing going into the first race of the season? No, 
because I think, I t- yeah, I think Djokovic has more to gain from that than Vettel does. But it's been a bit. Obviously, you'd get a lot of media attention, being like, "Oh, look, it's Vettel. He's come back." But I think Djokovic would. He just. He. I think he just deserves the seat more. I feel like he's the Formula Two champion. He needs to be in Formula One. He needs. We need to see how he compares to some of the be- um, best drivers in the world, and if he is the material for Formula One. And I think we can assess that from him doing a race weekend like with Vettel. It's just kind of one last hurrah which doesn't really mean anything he probably won't he i mean maybe he could finish on the podium maybe with the car but it's not really i, I don't know it's not really anything worthwhile and ryan your sort of thoughts on that would you have liked to see that because corinne chandock i think said i think it was him on twitter that you know it makes sense you know it's a good call because vettel said he retired and if you retire you you shouldn't really come back unless you're Tom Brady um, and announce your retirement with five years in a row. But yeah, do you agree with that, Ryan, or with Tom? But you don't, you didn't really want to see it, or would you have actually liked to see it? Well, in my understanding of sports and retirement, uh, as a Manchester United fan, uh, Paul Scholes once retired and then midway yes. through a game magically came back I wow that FA and he off the bench i came off the bench he wasn't even meant to be on the team and he helped the team win massively the paul scores effect now could we say the same for vettel possibly he hasn't been out of the car as just as long as any other driver over the season he ended the same time as them yes he may have not done te- well he could have done testing i suppose yeah 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 i know what i'm saying i'm just mumbling my words this always happens (laughs) yeah right let's move on now we've tried enough about aston martin and let's go slightly further up the field we we think to red bull racing the world champions both the drivers and constructors champions for the first time since 2013 i believe they obviously celebrated that win with the Red Bull home run in Milton Keynes a little while back. Um, I was down at that and it was a fantastic event. And just will do a cheeky plug to the uh, to the YouTube channel, um, you know, because uh, yeah, cheeky plug to the YouTube channel because we've done a video with two Dutch fans who uh, were able to um come over to for that event. But yeah, um, we'll start with you, Tom, on this one. Uh, Red Bull. Just how, how impressed are you by them? They had, I think, by their standards, a fairly quiet test. But if you're quiet in testing, that usually means you've either had a very good test and nothing's gone wrong, or you've had a really bad test. And I think it's uh, the first point there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been very impressed. Not necessarily happy, because I'd like everyone to be somewhat close together. But... Um... I feel like they've yeah. There's not really been any failures from them. Max and Checo seem happy with the car completely. Um, they were very fast on the first day, um, from what I remember. And um, it's just yeah. It just seems like they're the favourites for the season. To be fair, at the moment they just seem. Um, it just yeah. It just seemed like the perfect test for them. Like nothing. It was just nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah, because I I wasn't able to watch the the entire test the three days live completely. Um, 
But then every time I sort of dipped in and out of it, they, you know, there wasn't really much talk about them other than they're at the top of the timesheets. And I think the, the approach they took this year of having Vettel on for the first day, he was the only driver to do the, the first day. And you know, I always think testing, you know, give, give the drivers half a day each. But I, thinking back on it, I nearly think that was the best thing they could have done because... You know, Max is a two-time world champion, and while you know he's had, it was pushed in twenty twenty-one by Hamilton all the way to the the final corner, but he, out of between him and Perez, Verstappen is very clearly the number one driver and the better driver of the two, and I think the vast majority of people would agree with me at that point. And to have his feedback on how the car is both in the morning where you know. The temperatures are cool, but a little bit cooler, and then the temperatures rise as the day goes on, and then obviously going into the evening, the floodlights come on to what would be more of a, a normal sort of race uh, time for, for Bahrain. And probably getting that back-to-back feedback on the first day was probably very vital to them um, to as a team because... They were able then to make the adjustments and then Perez got in the car the next morning, did well, and then Verstappen got back in the evening and was able to give more um, feedback. But Ryan, uh, I'll come to you now. Red Bull, they, they look to be the team to beat this year. Just your your thoughts on them. Do you think that this year it's it's just going to be another easy stroll to the title or do you think, well, stroll might not be racing, but yeah, uh, <laughs> do you think that potentially, you know, Ferrari still look to be the second best team and then there seems to be a little bit of a gap back to Mercedes slash Aston Martin. Do you think with potentially that battle it might mean the Red Bull uh, just have more more breathing space out front? Well, I have went and found myself a nice little graph which does show the time differences or the times they have managed to knock off in terms of, well, times they've gained in terms of pace but Red Bull have essentially managed to knock off an extra 1.4 seconds from last year's testing to this year's testing. Last year's testing, we seen the Red Bull strong and we thought, are they just doing this for show or is everyone else sandbagging? And then we found out Mercedes really was sandbagging. But then Mercedes have knocked off two seconds. So there's a 0.6 second gain where Mercedes have actually gained more time compared to last season. Does that mean that Mercedes could possibly have been sandbagging during this testing, knowing, you know, that they have maybe just a wee bit more pace in the bank? We don't know. Could it be an easy run for Red Bull? I hope not. I would like to see an actual title challenge for once, as I thought the 2022 regulations at the time were to bring pretty much every team within, what, maybe a second of each other. DRS trains, I hate that. That's probably the worst design flaw. Uh, that's contributed to the new design but apart from the, the drs trains closer racing technically does happen just need to fi- fix that little issue um but i don't think it's going to be playing and sailing this season i think a lot of teams have been playing uh, how, how do we say it in the nicest way uh, we'll just go with mind games we've been playing mind games on the field on the field on the track and i think the team principals know what they're at they're just sort of picking and choosing when to go faster in certain sectors just to throw the other teams off their scent but I think we're in for a real 
a challenge this season for all the teams, not so much Red Bull. I think they've still got quite a serious amount of pace in the bank, but I do think that we could see a shock, definitely, for the title. Well, let's go to the other end of what would be the, the final standings this year, and to a team that I don't think many people would have predicted, McLaren. Now, I don't think there'd be too many people out there saying that McLaren are going to finish bottom of the Constructors' Championship by the end of the season because it just doesn't seem right. McLaren, you know, they've made such great progress over the past few years and they've got this new exciting lineup. Landon Norris getting more and more experienced, getting more and more podiums every season. And then they've got Oscar Piastri, who's probably the... I wouldn't say hyped, but the most talked about driver to join Formula 1 since Verstappen, but probably more so Hamilton, because of how much attention has been on him because of the way he entered the sport. You know, I obviously said um, earlier that it was a knock-on effect. He, he had this deal to sign with McLaren, but he was also appointed the Alpine driver, and then there was a whole court case, and McLaren one and uh Piastri is now a McLaren driver. But in the article I wrote, um the, the sort of the key takeaways from testing, I wrote about is was McLaren right to sack Daniel Ricardo? Was he the right person? Or did does well, basically was the season as bad as it appeared? If McLaren have genuinely sort of messed up to the wrong wrong phrase used but the, the their 2023 car is not going to work in the way that they would have expected it to and they're right down the back of the grid i'll come to you first with this one tom do you think that given that this might have happened do you think ricardo might have been the better option to help dig the team out of this hole or do you think that having a new fresh driver like piastri who is exciting, exciting one to prove himself in the sport is actually going to be more beneficial to the team. Um, it's an interesting one, really. Um, because obviously, yes, you've got Daniel with all his experience in F one, but last year, by his standards, was particularly woeful. Um, but then the year before that, he was near the end of the season. He wasn't too bad. So, um, I think they definitely needed a new start. I think getting rid of him was the right option. Piastri, the CV speaks for itself. But yeah, I think the only issue is now, um, I guess Lando, Lando has been in F1 for five years now, but but they uh, haven't really got that um, person who, with so much experience who can now help them fix the car for the rest of the season. They just have to rely on, like, on, on Lando because obviously Oscar's... This is all brand new to him, so he hasn't really got that experience to give the feedback the team needs. Um, so, yeah, I feel I feel like it was the right option to get rid of Daniel, but obviously, yeah, there is uh, the downfalls of doing that. And I think as well another point I made in that article that they've got they've got so many different series that they're covering, extremely formally IndyCar that. Although each team has got their own separate personnel to look after, I I think that it might have got to a point where this is all becoming a little bit too much for McLaren. They don't know what to prioritise because they took over the number one team on the Formula E grid. 
they have undertaken this IndyCar program with some decent success so far, and Extremey is well, it's Extremey. Um, you know anyone can can win that, but and and I think they're considering a Le Mans, uh, yes, maybe as well. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, and it's it's a lot, and I think you know, losing Ricardo wasn't easy for them obviously financially it had a massive impact but i think the biggest loss that they're going to experience is andreas seidel who's obviously now moved to um alfa romeo as their uh, or cyber rather as their um chief executive with the view of sort of leading the audi team whenever they join but it's a massive loss for them and it's making me think that potentially he's seen this coming and thought I'm going to jump before it gets bad because he's had such great success so far and well or not you know this has been something that's been in the works for a while and the team knew and sort of took control away from him at some point or well or not he just it was a, a, going to be a bad year anyway but Ryan do you think you know, obviously Seidel if if we believe the side of us working right up until he left for Cyber, do you, do you think that, you know, because he would have had some a lot of impact on this car, do you think that he's going to be a massive loss in the future, or do you think that possibly it was always going to be a bad season anyway, and whoever they've got in will just do the same job? Well, Andreas basically was there from the point where they were starting to rebuild the team where they were going back from you know the the awful gp2 engine gp2 uh but we'll forget about that era because obviously the current era is a lot nicer he's pretty much been the face of mclaren for quite a while zach brown's only there every so often he's not there every single time but andreas seidel was he pretty much managed everything that was going on, kept everyone in line, made sure everything was working and perfect. He didn't, I don't, there is, I've seen sometimes that he wasn't the biggest fan of Daniel, but he still got along with him. So I don't know whether there was just a bit of funniness in between that, but obviously Zach, you know, I think Zach puts on a funny face with Daniel. He's all, oh yeah, I have this uh, NASCAR, you know, Dale Earnhardt and all this, and I'll let you drive it if you if you win a race this season. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a, a fake, fake face, as I would like to call it, fake friendship. Uh, I don't think Zach really wanted Daniel there in the first place. It was sort of handed him on a piggyback, thought it was going to be the best thing since sliced bread. Didn't work out, tried to get rid of him, didn't work out. He finally got rid of him, got rid of Andreas Seidel, and now he's got what's deserved him. He's got his finger dipped in too many pies, and the team is now crumbling. Get rid of all the good staff, and uh, prepare to uh, try and fix things, which I think I may have just destroyed every single point that you might have made by a pure accident. <laughs> but... That is how I feel about McLaren. I think Zach Brown has no idea how to run a team successfully anymore. He's just he's just a American mad. He doesn't he doesn't understand. Push <laughs> all the buttons, hope for the best. Yeah. Yes. Um. And uh, if there's anyone watching from the McLaren legal team, that was purely a joke. Um. But moving <laughs> on. Um. To uh to Mercedes. Um. A team that disappointed last year. Uh. 
after such a successful spell in the sport to to be sort of nowhere near fighting for a title um, at the early start of the season at, at least uh, was different um, well, something that we haven't witnessed in a long time but they did improve as the season went on and I think the, a lot of the pre-season talk was if they can get rid of the porpoising which they, there was new uh, regulations brought in to help uh, to try to limit that at least that they would have a car that could at least take probably second in the championship and after testing I I still don't know and it's always been the case for Mercedes and testing we, we said it earlier in this podcast they have sandbagged in the past and you know for anyone listening doesn't know what that means basically just they don't really show their true potential and they, they go a little bit slower they don't turn the engine up as high and Ryan do you think that Mercedes are in the fight for third and fourth then with Aston Martin and not the top two yeah definitely I, I think you know Mercedes are as you were saying sandbagging possibly they've done it before they did it last season well sorry they didn't do it last season they did it the season before had a pretty decent season. Did it last season? Not really. They were just uh, awful. Um, <laughs> but no, I think I think Mercedes have clawed their way back, but are keeping it sort of secret, trying to not let on too much. I do think that they're guaranteed top three at least, no no less. I would nearly put, uh, I'd say a hundred pound, but a hundred pound is quite a lot of money for me to lose. So I'm not risking it, but I would say they're guaranteed at least top three. I do feel that at some point, Ferrari. I don't know why I I get a funny feeling they're not their car, although successful new team principal. Um, I just I get a funny feeling that the top three from last season isn't going to be the top three from for this season. Uh, there's going to be a complete shake up. Mercedes. I love the new car. Back to black, as everyone keeps saying. A wee bit of ACDC. Hopefully their electricity and their, you know, their, how how do we call it? Their hybrid systems are punchy and ready to go. Um, I'm hoping to see something special with this new car, this livery. I'm just hoping, 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 hoping that we get a decent season, you know, in terms of uh, close wheel-to-wheel racing that we have been promised for the last five years but never seem to get it. I hope this is the season where every team hits a nail on the head and we get some real action. And Tom, where do you think the Mercedes will be battling this year? Um, I th- Probably with the Aston, I think, because um, even though yet yeah, they have addressed some um, of the issues with the car from last year, there's still definitely some issues because Lewis said he was happy about the porpoising improvements this year, but he still says there was... Um, some problems with the um, balance with balance limitations, which really is you wouldn't be expecting it because they really moved on to this year's car quite early last year because they knew for basically they realised the season was doomed. But I I really don't see them. I don't think they'll even fight Ferrari. I f- really think it'll be them fighting with themselves in third, maybe with Aston for like the start of the season but i think mercedes development will move them away from aston so yeah i think i think they might be a a lonely third yeah it'll definitely be interesting to see how everything pans out this year 
Uh, let's move on to the predictions now. And me and Ryan obviously gave our predictions last week and how we thought testing was going to go. And we got a grand total of zero points uh, from that. Uh, so keeping up the, the trend of making bold and vicious predictions and getting absolutely none uh, correct. Although we do have one slight technicality, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, well, the, the first prediction was most laps. I predicted Red Bull, Ryan, you said Aston Martin. It was Alpha Tauri, so I was close in the same brand at the very least. Uh, least laps uh, turned out to be McLaren. I said it would be Ferrari. Um, and Ryan, you went with similar thinking of the Ferrari power unit not being too reliable, and you went with Haas. Fastest lap, I put Sergio Perez, but it was his teammate for Stappen, and Ryan, you went for George Russell. And then the biggest surprise, I said that Felipe Drogovic would be faster than Fernando Alonso. Alonso decided he would actually show his potential as a two-time world champion and went very, very fast. And this is where the technicality comes in. Ryan, you said that Alfa Romeo does something interesting, which, I mean, was very loose and could have been anything. But I did say, I did say last week that you know we'll hopefully have one of the Apex team on this podcast, and Tom is obviously here. Um, so Tom. I'm going to throw it to you in this one to be the judge. Okay. I, from a competitive point of view, I don't want to give Ryan this point, but I do have to state the facts in this case. And Guan, or Zhou Guan Yu did, te- uh, did top Friday's afternoon session, albeit by a very slim margin, but he did top the session. Um, should also point out that in that same session, uh, Nick DeFries and Nico Hogenberg were in the top five and Logan Sargent as well was in the top seven and that was the combine for the day so not everyone was doing fast runs but are you happy to give Ryan the point for that or not? Well I mean it's something interesting isn't it I think <laughs> Alpha, <laughs> Alpha, Alpha set the fastest time it's really yeah I, I'd give him the point Okay well I, I'm happy enough to do that on the, on this occasion Um Yes. Should uh, should one come up that you predict throughout the season that is contentious? I may not uh, deliver the verdict favorably in your side, Tom, but I'll <laughs> let that one slide for now. Uh, so, Ryan, you've t- taken an early lead before the season even starts. 1-0 up in the testing uh, prediction contest that we still haven't completed the entire season off yet, but hopefully we'll change that this year. Um, and... Tom, get your thinking hat on as well because you are going to be representing Team Apex. Uh, you, Kira, and Liam all combined. Whoever's on the podcast, you're going to be representing you three. Uh, so uh, we'll have a couple of predictions, but we're going to start with uh, pole position. And uh, I think my assistant Ryan has actually laid out this uh, document very nicely for me to to get ready, which is a nice change. Um, so Ryan, I'll start with you. Pole position, yes. start the season off, and why is it Max Verstappen? <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Max, stick him on the page. He's got number one in his car for a reason. And before anyone says any anything, I liked Max whenever it was in the twenty eighteen season. Fact check that by Richard. We talked about this before. <laughs> yes, and we should also add that we've had numerous times in this podcast, not by ourselves, but by um, 
by various guests that Max Verstappen will never be a world champion. So that's the sort of standard we're going with for these predictions, Tom, just to let you know. Um, okay. I usually go the more well-carried route of just you know t- take a chance because if you say Verstappen every week, it gets a little bit boring. So I'm going to go for Charles Leclerc, um, purely on the fact that Ferrari usually turn up and do something surprising the first weekend and everyone talks about them saying that they're the best thing out there so i'm gonna go charles leclerc tom who are you putting as your driver to get the first pole position of the season uh fernando alonso <laughs> okay just because yeah just because like you know because like it's it's green and that means green sectors and stuff so you know like pole I mean, usually we would laugh at that, but it's a very, you know, likely chance this year, given what's happened. Uh, you, you never know. Um, we'll move on to the race winner. Um, Tom, we'll come to you first on this one. We'll, we'll go in reverse right. order, keep flipping them about. Uh, who are you putting as the first race winner uh, of the season and to, to lead the championship? Lots, no. No. Um. <laughs> Uh, I thought yeah, he's returned. Man turned uh, into oh, Robert yeah. Kubica. Probably <laughs> <laughs> um, Verstappen. Let's be honest. He'll even if Alonso uh, did get bold, Verstappen would just kind of just overtake him very early on in the race, and then just will probably just hold it for the whole rest of the time. So yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go for Carlos Sainz because you know. Oh, thank God. Why not? So, Ryan, why have you gone for Sergio Perez? <laughs> How did you know? I guess. I, sh- I should be uh, getting points for predictions I, that uh, I guess correctly, and I I can't confirm that this isn't root down either. If, I'm, if, you, I'm if f- you can guess, if you can guess my next two for the podium after you know the wrist water, if you can guess my next two, that's gonna be mad. That's going to be mad. Yeah. I think you deserve a point if you get all of them. That's fair. Okay, fair. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Jojo Perez, reasoning. I'm still in shock here that you've got two of these dead on. <laughs> and you've insulted me before I've even said it. <laughs> Man, it's just Perez. He's, he's the sidekick. He's the secret sidekick. Sometimes Batman doesn't need Robin. Robin does his own thing. And that is what Sergio does. His own thing. <laughs> Max is going to okay. drive the car too hard in the first race. Engine's going to blow. Sergio's going to be cruising in behind him. And he's just going to take that lead. That's what's going to happen, boys. Trust. <laughs> <laughs> Trust the process in this one. Um, so I'll start with the podium. So joining signs is going to be... Verstappen and Alonso. Uh, purely for the fact that I think I think Ferrari are going to turn up and have a very fast car. No one's going to expect that. I'm hoping for that because it might be a little bit interesting to see how that plays out. And I think Alonso will just, you know, he'll want to get a podium the first race of the season just to prove that he's still got it, even though he already has. But it might be nice for that to happen. Um, Ryan, your podiums, and I'm, I'm going to have to try and guess these. Uh, you've put 
Perez down to one, which is making me think Verstappen is going to be out of the race. So I'm going to go Sainz and Russell. Ooh, you were close. It was the double Ferrari. Okay, okay. I thought it you were going to throw American Ferrari. in there. Which, which order? It's going to be Sainz and Leclerc. I think Carlos has a lot more to push for this season. He wants to get on top of Leclerc before Leclerc can even get a chance to get any points. Fair enough. Um, Tom, who is joining Verstappen on the podium? Uh, I think he'll be Leclerc, then Alonso. Okay, Alonso, I like it. Be um, be interesting. Just, yeah, just because that that's my reasoning. <laughs> yeah, that you you'll find that when I ask you for a reason in these podcasts, it's usually why not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just, just yeah. That yeah. this is definitely not a serious competition at all. Like, no, we definitely don't take this serious one one bit. Um, no. Uh, it's all about the fun. Uh, fastest lap, uh, if you listen to last season, you will know, Lando Norris. Uh, I think I got it right once. I say Norris every single week for no reason, other than I, f- I think I've done it since that Monaco livery that he had, which was lovely, and I've st- stuck with it since. Um, Ryan, fastest lap for you? Uh, fastest lap. Uh, I'll go a wee bit funky as well. I'm gonna go. Oh, actually, I have to guess. I have to guess. I have to guess. I know Rego. Oh wrong, no! But... Right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you a hint. Okay. Actually, I don't really have to get. If I say this hint, it gives it away completely. I'll just say relatable to the Apex Motorsport, and if you understand what I mean by that, you should get this on the nose. No. Oh, this is not go show go. Uh uh-uh, uh, that's last season, my buddy. Ah. Ah. Oh. I have no idea. Excuse me, did you forget about En Francais? Oh, yes, Pierre the Gasly. The Chanel favorite. Ah, yeah. Pierre Gasly! <laughs> Apologies to all headphone users. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, was, that was very loud, Ryan. Yeah. Gasly, Alpine, we haven't really talked about them, we'll, we'll not go into too much detail about them, but uh, yeah, Gaz- Alpine... French rivalry. Like, yeah, they look like they could be struggling this year, by the looks of it, but they've got Zinedine Zidane as part of the team now as an ambassador, and Nicola Adams, the boxer, very bizarre appointments. You just like if there's any like driver rivalries, they fall out of sync. You just get Zidane Zidane to come in, headbutt both of them, get them in order. There you go. Headbutt yeah, to and, the chest. Pal. I'm feeling that. Yes. Get Nicola Adams and to just hit them across the face. Yeah, he, he, she hits them and then Zidane headbutts them. It's just like yeah. a chain effects. Or, go... or Zidane tries to go overhead kick, um, like he did against Juventus all those years ago in the Champions League. That would be, it would be nice. It's probably a little bit before your time, Tom, isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, just a tad. <laughs> just a little bit before, I think, me and Ryan's time as well. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a clip I've seen many times before. Um, Tom, your fastest lap driver? Uh, um, uh, science. Okay, 
I, I'm going to assume that was a very much first name off the top of your head. Yeah, because, like, he's just smooth operator man. So, yeah. 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 He'll just be smooth, and then he'll step past that. I think um, something that was was quite funny that I seen today come up on the memories of the phone. Uh, a year ago today, I was walking through uh, Northampton, and there was a shop called Smooth Operator. So maybe that's a sign. It was yeah. quite weird. There was also a shop. Maybe in the it same... was a sign. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. <sighs> Big funny. <laughs> there was also a shop in that street called Halo as well. So it was very much an F one street and. I can show you sometime, Tom, as well after you need I, I saw I saw Walter Walter White as I was walking around. That was interesting. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I can't sing that song. Yeah. <laughs> we uh we we've got to nearly the fifty minute mark, and I think that's the first time we've got sidetracked all episodes. So I think we're doing quite well. Um, we've got one more prediction to make, and that is the surprise of Wildcard. And Tom, as you probably seen from the earlier ones. This is very much make a vague claim of what you think might happen and then we'll argue it in the next podcast. Um, so I'll come to you first, Ryan, on this one. Your surprise of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Uh, because it's the first race and this always happens, I'm going to say three safety cars. Three safety cars, okay. Yeah. And remember oh. how vague that can be, because do we include VSCs or not? <laughs> yeah, I think, I'm trying to remember what we've done last year, I think it there was... There was a rule, I can't remember the yeah. rule. I, I, I think, think we actually was... had to specify. Yeah, I think what we had was a VSC on its own counts, but if it turns into a full safety car, it's still one. Um, so like, a VSC is one, but if it's a VSC then turns into a safety car, it's still one and not two points, yes. basically. Um, yes. But we'll um, ask the, the judge on the next podcast if, if we need to. Yes. Um, for my surprise, I don't know. Um, Williams, man. I'm going to go... Oh, usually I go Bottas something. Is Bottas top seven... Yeah. Two, yeah, is that fine? Yeah. Are you happy with that, Tom? Uh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. alright. Okay. I don't know if you like mine, but... Okay, well... I don't mind small. Um, uh, Lance Stroll ret- returns with both his wrists. <laughs> but, but both his wrists? Yeah. Just... In, in what, in what just, manner? Like, like, fine, they're working. They're like... Both, they... so... So they're like they're fixed. They're not broken anymore. Okay. So this is, okay. Okay. So you're you'll, saying you'll just that... be in the paddock. You won't be driving. You'll be in the paddock. Like you know, yeah, so, his wrists will so be fine. <laughs> what you're saying is, instead of going to Bahrain for testing, he told his dad to make up a press release saying he was injured, so we could have a nice two week holiday in Barcelona. Yeah. Or something okay. like that. Yeah. Like he's just completely healed. He's like it's a miracle. That uh, private health care that his dad's pen will do absolute wonders for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll allow that, but again, should it be a fracture, we might have to get the judges out, who should technically be on your side, given that you're their, you're their classmates. So we'll have to see in that one. We might need to get a third party involved. Uh, could be interesting. Um, 
but yeah that i think is gonna round up this podcast um tom any sort of final thoughts before going into the new season um i hope the racing's close and um yeah i just really hope the racing's close i, I just that's all i want please let the racing be close yeah and i'm, I'm hoping for the same i'm hoping for a entertaining weekend that Max is fall back in love with Formula One oh, because and, and Lance Stroll pole and wins. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Ryan, throwing it over to you as as you quickly forget that you actually had to think of something to say here, or are you going to surprise me and have something to say to close out this podcast? Uh, I do not, but I have a very interesting statement uh, okay. to make. Uh, fun fact: It is a funny fact. Uh, Jonathan Cena was at every Formula One race last year. The only thing was you just couldn't see him. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should end this podcast here before it gets any more out of hand. Um, Ryan, I think that goes to probably one of the worst jokes I've ever heard you make. I'm thinking Um, of something, all right? (laughs) Okay. Well, your, your goal for every week is to end the podcast with a very bad dad joke. Okay. That's your name for the season. F1 uh, related. Yes. The worst, the better. And to be fair, as the saying goes, she had me in the first half there uh, before I clocked on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, massive thank you to both Ryan and Tom for, for joining me for this podcast and to everyone for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We'll have coverage of uh, the Bahrain Grand Prix um across the website and our, our social media channels as well the support on there the past while has been fantastic um we started dabbling into a little bit of youtube shorts as well so i don't know i think they come up as notifications if you um have them activated on the youtube channel but if not they'll be also uploaded to instagram reels and to tiktok and there should be a link as well out on our twitter page but yeah um, we'll have all the links to everything in the description below um so this is this year is only going to be uh, audio format on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I think that's the only two platforms that they're on currently. But yeah, uh, please do share this, follow the podcast, whatever you meant to do on those apps, and yeah, just get the word out. Um, we're going to be doing one of these, um, after every race. Um, uh, you know, looking at the last race, previewing the next race. Um, and yeah, we'll just hope that this is going to be a very good and memorable F one season. Um, so yeah I've been Richard Smith thanks again to uh, Ryan and Tom for joining me to everyone listening I hope you enjoy the Bahrain Grand Prix and yeah hopefully this season is as good as we've had some in the past so yeah thanks for listening and goodbye and if you have Sky Glass or Sky Q (laughs) make sure to press the red button to miss out on all the live action replays (laughs) I'm going to keep that in yeah goodbye everyone